Thanks for tuning in to Civil Discourse. This is Caleb. Before we start the episode, just a quick reminder that the Student Spin podcast is a sister media to the Six Mile Post newspaper at Georgia Highlands College in Rome, Georgia. The views of this podcast do not represent those of the Six Mile Post or Georgia Highlands College. Let's get into the episode. Today's episode is very special. I have a very good friend with me. His name is Justin Dill. He is the founder of the Rome Pride Committee. He is a Georgia Highlands College alumni. He has an associate's degree in political science. Hi, Caleb. How are you, babe? I'm great. How are you? I'm I'm really good. I'm always happy when you're in the room. Aww. <laughs> yeah, same. Thank you for having me. This is exciting. Definitely. I mean, once I... Once I got this gig, <laughs> I wanted I wanted to get you in here because we have a long history of just talking about everything. Yes. Um, Always know. been fun to kind of go on about what's happening around the world, right? Yeah, absolutely. Another good thing about this episode is we do have an interview later with Justin Dill and Lynn Green. Uh, she is the founding president of the PFLAG Rome Georgia chapter. And in the interview, we're going to talk about uh, Rome Pride. Yes. Do you want to Super say, exciting. You want to say a little something before? Yeah, we'll dive into kind of the history behind Pride in Rome Georgia. And or as far as events are concerned, and we'll go into what Rome Pride 2022 is going to be doing for the community. It'll be really exciting. I'm so excited. All right. Uh, it was a really good interview, and I uh, really hope to have Lynn Green back. She was awesome. He's amazing. So let's start off by, you know, we got Pride on the Brain. Yeah. There's a lot of things going on in the country right now in yes. terms of... LGBTQ plus rights and freedoms. Do you want to mention a, a couple of those? <laughs> How much time do we have? Uh, well, I mean, you know. So, yeah, you know, every I've kind of learned year by year that the legislative sessions, especially in the beginning of the year and especially on election years, uh, tend to be filled with social issues mm -hmm. that come specifically from the more conservative side of things. But there's the don't say gay bill in Florida, which has pa passed the House and the Senate, and it is going to be arriving onto Governor DeSantis's desk soon. We also probably should talk a little bit about what's going on in Texas with trans rights. And then to add to the list, Idaho decided this week that they're also going to kind of take what's happening in Texas and make it somehow worse. So, <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. Uh, yeah, these are really, really scary. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, we we're a couple old queens, <laughs> yes. um, you know, we, we lived through some I mean, you know, we saw the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. I mm -hmm. think we talked about that in the interview, too, a little bit. Um, so, you know, we've we've kind of we've seen the progress. And I think, I mean, you know, personally speaking, it's like, oh, OK, well, we won. <laughs> right. Um, you know, we we got we got the gay rights, the uh, marriage equality rights, which, you know, I'm not getting married, but, you know, <laughs> great for y'all. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I, I it feels like. Again, like it was just this sort of like, OK, we won. You know, that's that that's gay rights for you. Yeah. And then or LGBT rights, I should say. And then, you know, that's inaccurate. Obviously, other things have happened in this country, uh, you know, before these bills. But this is the most sort of the most current uh, situation sort of facing the LGBT community right now, especially yeah. uh, trans kids. 
um, specifically are being, uh, you know, singled out uh, by these bills, essentially, and, and their families. Yeah. You know, I, I think when we're talking about rights, uh, especially civil rights, and when you're younger, you kind of you're like, you know, the way that people used to say in the 90s and the early 2000s is like racism is gone forever. <laughs> right. Right. And then Martin Luther King Jr. cured racism. Cured racism. And then we realized that that was not true mm-hmm. um, and that we still have a lot of work to do on the front. And that's yeah. what's happening now with LGBTQ rights. You know, you get so far, um, people get upset about it and they want to restrict how far they go. And so the don't say gay bill, that one, I remember not saying gay in high school selectively because I felt like I couldn't. Right. Because uh, I didn't want to be harmed. Yeah. Um, and I felt like we had made so much progress with that. And now we're going back a bullet train to the 1950s. Right. And yep. so it just really scares me for the for the kids that are in school today, because I worry that it gives people that already have preconceived notions about LGBTQ people, mm-hmm. that it's going to give them the OK to bully and to harm. Yeah their peers yeah this like official legislation is permission almost to Mm. you know go out and bully and if our own government state or local or uh national doesn't care about marginalized people then yeah the citizens aren't going to either (laughs) i mean i think to the age range of of legislators right Mm -hmm. they they grew up in a different era of lgbtq-ness right (laughs) um so you know as as a elder millennial, if you want to call it that, Um, you know, there's a statistic that I saw that was like 10% of millennials identify as LGBTQ in some Mm -hmm. form or fashion. Well, I think since we have gotten to a point to where it's more accepted and a lot of people are also realizing that gender and sexual orientation are on a spectrum mm-hmm. that uh, the statistics like one in five Gen Zers are identifies LGBTQ. Yeah. I mean, that sort of initial round of of gay rights really did kind of open the floodgates to two questions of gender and sexuality. And I mean, I'm glad because I've had my own journey. I know that you have as well. I don't know. I probably shouldn't put that out yeah. there if you're not comfortable. Well, I am. Yeah, I'm totally fine to talk about all. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, even, uh, you know, my own gender sexuality journey is, is sort of ongoing. And yeah. uh, I think that's true of a lot of people who are in this weird <laughs> age, age range. Yeah. You know, not only did we kind of saddle the information age explosion, right? So like I didn't have a cell phone until I was like 16. Oh, yeah. Um, And the Internet was the 56K modem from my phone and you Mm -hmm. couldn't use the phone. Anyways. And so it's kind of the same (laughs) with all of these gender identity and sexual orientation rights. And the more that I find out about it. Yeah. The more that I realize that I haven't really fully realized where I'm at, you know? Yeah. Personally, too, like I actually work with a lot of Gen Z. I want to call them kids, but I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to <laughs> be offensive. <laughs> I, I work with a lot of like sort of Gen Z young adults in their, you know, 18, 19, 20, early 20s. Mm-hmm. And um, 
all over the spectrum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I kind of I kind of feel like I'm almost like in the middle. <laughs> yeah. And I just like I'm kind of learning from all of them and um you know I I never want them or anyone else to think that I'm like this jaded millennial who's just like oh pronouns <laughs> you know. Right. What I, mean? I remember seeing some some TikTok about like all of these battles that we're having with civil rights and everything. And someone was, you know, joking about being a millennial and they were just sipping a glass of rosé and they were like, mm. there's nothing we can do, you know? <laughs> and I, I really don't want Gen Z to, yeah. to think that is like a broad in broad brushstrokes. Like, yeah, like, I don't know if anyone's seen the picture with like the, the adult dog with the little puppy and it's like protect Gen Z. You know what I mean? Like I've seen things like that. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Like I'm here and I love that Gen Z is not afraid to stand mm -hmm. up, speak, and use their voices because that's so important and just is so inspiring They're to so see brave. the resistance. I, I wish that I was half as brave as yes. them when I was their age. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, I, I don't know where they get it. <laughs> hopefully, yeah, hopefully. And that's what I'm saying. Like, we, we have gotten to a good point to where we know that we have to be a little loud. Yeah, um, yeah, and it, it does usually happen when some sort of right is won or liberty is is won, where mm -hmm. we sort of rest on our laurels, and it. But the fight never stops. Um, it does never stop. Yeah, and also, you know, it never stops at the voting booth either. Like it, it's a thing that is yeah ongoing. Exactly. Um. So yeah, so that's in Florida, right? Yes. And then we have we have this stuff in uh, in Texas and in Idaho, which is really disturbing uh, when it comes to uh, gender affirmation care. Yes. Um, really, really, really kind of dystopian, scary stuff. Um, well, yeah, I mean, basically, Idaho and, and Texas, uh, they're a little different. Uh, Texas is um, essentially passing or. Yeah, like they're saying that if it's child abuse, right? Exactly. Yeah, that <laughs> gender affirmation care is essentially child abuse that the parents or the medical professional can be accused of essentially child abuse. Yeah. And then in Idaho, that is even worse, where if you take a child to another state to get gender affirming care, then you could face life in prison. So, so crazy. <laughs> Um, just for the audacity of having a transgender child that you actually care about and want to uh, yeah. affirm uh, in their identity. So uh, these are unfortunately pretty far along. I, I don't think either of them have are, are official. Right. Uh, most of them are kind of like on the desk as we speak. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, these are Republican heavy states and, and governors. So in legislative bodies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's really disturbing. I I've seen some resistance already online and I, I think, you know, with wonderful organizations like ACLU um, and such, they're going to take it all the way to the Supreme court if necessary, which yeah. also it can be kind of worrying thinking about the Supreme court, but I, I honestly it's going to be a long fight. It's going it to be is. a long battle. And I don't think anyone should give up hope at this point. Um, you know, as long as we are all sticking together and mm -hmm. we are standing up for each other and we're on the streets as we need to be in order yeah. to protest and sp and speak out, then it's not it's not going to last. At least that's my hope. <laughs> we're, uh, we're getting back in the trenches. We're yeah, we are. Of LGBT rights. Yeah. The pandemic's. Kind of dying down, and then yeah. we start World War Three and and uh, going back with civil Please rights. No. But. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't. Oh, hopefully not. Well, 
Well, we'll, we'll get into a little bit of that. Uh, do you want to talk a little about the State of the Union address as well? Yeah. Um, speaking of trans. Yeah, right. speaking of trans kids, I mean, as the, the State of the Union on the whole was pretty disappointing for me, but it was wonderful to hear Joe Biden you know, specifically talk to all the trans kids in America and mm. say that he supports them and, yeah. you know, affirms them. And I think that's really powerful, con- you know, considering, you know, what's going on in Idaho and Florida and Texas right now. Um, right. So I, 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 I do appreciate that. I, I hope that it's more than just words. That goes for basically everything that he said. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, good stuff at least. I agree. Like I, I, it's hard for me to be inspired by any state of the union at this point. Right. Just because you have to think about it from a communications perspective. Like it's not, it's not there to necessarily get into the, the nitty gritty details. It's more mm-hmm. of like, here's what I've done. Here's my res, my CV from the last year. And then this is what I want to do yeah. during an election year, you know, to make sure we're on track or whatever. It's just it's all theater. <laughs> it is. It is. And so that especially millennials and Gen Z retired of the virtue signaling. Right. Yeah, so yeah. I really hope that as these bills move through, we'll have some more national and federal support. Yeah, definitely. Through. As far as I know, I think Joe Biden is the only president who has specifically mentioned like transgender children yeah, and his support so. for them. I don't think even Barack Obama did that. Right. So, yeah, I mean, overall, it was um, I think we were saying saying it was like a, a B. <laughs> B minus. C, B, B minus. Yeah. I, I say C, yeah, C plus. C plus for me. Yeah, because I, I, I mean, I did like what he was talking about in some aspects. And um, but there's specific things that don't align with my philosophy. Yeah. Um, you know, I think. Talking about defunding the police versus funding the police. And in my mind, you know, I don't think I don't think that's like a black and white topic. No pun intended. It's (laughs) supposed to be, you know, it's supposed to be about reappropriating funds to help the police make better decisions Mm -hmm. in in crises. Right. Yeah. During those intense moments. And I do understand, like, the Democrats are wary of the phrase defund the police. You know, I do understand, you know, they're politicians and they have to win, um, you know, elections and defund the police is still a very controversial statement. Yeah, (laughs) I think that's fair to say. But I think there's a lot of middle ground between saying defund the police and saying what Joe Biden did was say fund them like seven times in a row. Yeah, I'm just really to rock a supplies. <laughs> I'm not sure, you know, how the progressive faction of the Democratic Party is going to take that. Yeah. One thing that Biden is clearly trying to do is to unify what he can between Democrats and Republicans and mm-hmm. the and uh, other parties that are you know too small to get on the ballot at this point, but right. and I think overall he you know in the State of the Union too like he did an okay job doing that, but um, it's really hard to from his perspective it's going to be hard either way. Yeah, yeah, for him, for him to make everyone happy. Fair enough. Yeah, for sure. I definitely don't envy him that. <laughs> yeah, uh, that monumental task. But he did speak about this, speaking of that, like the unity agenda, right? Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Um, that was one of the other good things that he mentioned, uh, sort of uh, using federal funds to go towards like veteran care, cancer research, mental health for children and the opioid epidemic. Um, I wish that he just said universal health care. That would have been a lot easier <laughs> yeah, but, cover all of that. Right. Exactly. But, you know, take what we can get, you know. Yeah. Um, those those are excellent things. And those are, you know, really big uh, issues and especially, you know, mental health for for kids. Uh, I mean, I think therapy should be free for everyone, but, you know. <laughs> right. And it's it's just really interesting to see. I'd like to see the I know that there is a full plan, I think, on the White House website that mm-hmm. we ran yeah. across a minute ago that mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just really cool. I think they were specifically looking at online and I'm assuming that has to do with bullying online. Right. I think so. Yeah, because he did mention, um, I don't remember if it was in the state of the, yeah, it was the national social experiment that social media is, is conducting on, on kids. Right. Uh, but yeah, he had a Frances Haugen on there. Uh, you know, she's the Facebook whistleblower. I support making these gigantic social media conglomerates, you know, mm-hmm. um, putting their feet to the fire and well, I think generally speaking, as you know this already, but like, you know, fear and anger sells and, right, yeah. and you know, these at the end of the day, these companies are businesses. They have to yeah. make money. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what's going to pull people on? It's it's not always going to be the story about the cat, you know, that can ride a, a skateboard. Right. You know, so it's like. Those are cute, but it's not going to get millions of people on there. Right. No angry reacts from those. No angry reacts. Yeah. And the angry reacts are the ones that make the big butts. <laughs> well, that was how it was. I think they've like changed the algorithm now. Yes. Um, but <laughs> but I, and as far as veterans are concerned, like uh, I just actually watched last night. Uh, John Stewart has a new show on HBO or excuse me. Apple TV Plus, <laughs> and I uh, can't keep them all straight these days, but it's called The Problem of John Stewart, I believe. The first one, you know, he's always been about, like, veteran care. Yeah. Like, he fought for the 9-11 Commission to basically just have the, the VA give veterans the care that they have earned and deserve, especially these younger veterans that are in their 30s who are getting cancer and dying. What a radical idea. I know. To take care of the people who you send off to fight your wars. Yeah, it's very radical. Who would have thought that investing uh, in, in those people would be <laughs> in their health after they're done fighting your wars? Yeah. Well, yeah, they're, they're, they're happy to fund them on the front end. Right. right. Yeah, no, exactly. To get to get them over there physically mm-hmm. to fight these wars, displace people. Yeah. You know, we traumatize them, traumatize and their family. Like. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then with the, it's really, I think specifically the burn pits, which people are calling yeah. our generation's ancient orange. Totally mm-hmm. agree with that. And, Definitely. um, it's, it's horrible. I mean, they're, they're burning with jet fuel, all, like trash and human refuse and just like plastics, everything and mm-hmm. not covered right. under VA care. And also, you know, the VA system is just really messed up. It's very, yeah. it's red. There's a bunch of red tape, bu- mm-hmm. bureaucracy, you it takes forever to get a even a telehealth appointment. Yeah, uh, crazy. Yeah, I mean, I personally speaking, I mean, war is pretty touchy subject for me. I'm I'm typically you know automatically default to anti-war, but like yeah. you can't ignore these people who risked and gave a lot of them you know their lives to you know fight for. Yeah, exactly. I mean, people sign up 
to to go into battle for the yeah. U.S. for many reasons. And mm-hmm. and I think a part of that is this part of the reason some people get into the military is is the way that recruitment goes about. Right. You know, they're coming. They want a better life. Right. They, yeah. they, and they know that if they can go go into the military, then, you know, they're going to have some financial support pretty mm-hmm. much for the rest of their lives yeah. to an extent, except for healthcare, which we just talked about. Right. But um, yeah, so I, I don't blame people for necessarily s- signing up for the military. I've thought about it many times, Yeah. even when I'm, especially when I was really poor and trying to be like, where's my my next paycheck going to cover my rent. Right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. I usually, I usually, I mean, I'm anti-war definitely, but I don't necessarily blame people. And that's why I, I respect and honor our veterans still because yeah. they did sacrifice a lot to, yeah. to be over there and years of their lives missing mm-hmm. their children being born and, you know, all of these things. But and I mean, on the topic of sort of being anti-war, what I am not anti is defense, <laughs> right? Defense. Yeah. Um, you know, thinking about Ukraine, obviously, and, you know, everything that's going on over there. Yeah. Um, I mean, things are still bad over there. Yeah. It seems still kind of very stalemate Like, um, yeah, you know, they're they're trying to get it to keep sending in support for the defense of Ukraine, you know, with sovereign states in Europe and also through NATO to an extent. Right. And it's always that the tippy toeing and like making sure that we're not seen as an aggressor. Right. Um, So I know that that's like super tricky and I don't want to be in any of those positions (laughs) of power. So, (laughs) you know, and then, of course, President Zelensky and the Ukrainian people are just amazing and inspiring really to stand, yeah. to stand up to, to I stand up to Russia. <laughs> and yeah, it's kind of weird. Cause it's like, Russia's always had an issue, like getting into Europe. Um, I think yeah. they had problems in like world, was it world war two where they had problems, I believe yeah. as well. Um, just with the landscape <laughs> getting all their stuff, like they were running out of, like, I think recently they were like running out of fuel you know, farmers were stealing tanks in Ukraine <laughs> and like, yep, it's kind of crazy. But yeah. And there's there's been reports recently that they're trying to, quote unquote, like surround Eve. Yeah. Um, the capital of Ukraine. And so I think they're really trying to bolster up the defenses in that area. Yeah. Before that happens. And then it's also Russia in the past couple of days, I believe, has recently started occupying and trying to take over a bunch of other hotspots yeah. in Ukraine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I totally support the Ukrainian resistance, uh, of course. And, you know, they they are protecting themselves much better than I think most American citizens would if we were in their situation. Yeah. I do kind of worry about, like, the future consequences of so many weapons being funneled um, into mm-hmm. any place. Right. Those sorts of things usually have far reaching implications and consequences. And, uh, you know, right. I, I just think it's worth thinking about that. Yeah, it's kind of it's hard, right? Because you're you're like stuck in, in this place where like you want to help them defend their sovereignty. Yeah. But as we all know, with U.S. has military bases all over the world. And so I think even Japan, even after everything that the U.S. did to them, they are considering wanting they want 
to have, I think it's like a U.S. military base or maybe like think about putting nuclear weapons from the U.S. into Japan. Yeah, just put more nukes out there in the world. Yeah. As we work on the Iran denuclearization (laughs) agreement. Mm Mm-hmm. So not hypocritical at all. Well, yeah, I mean, it's pretty rough. Definitely still still supporting Ukraine, the Ukrainian people. Um, also, the Russian um, citizens who are against the war, which there's a lot of. I'm really afraid. I'm really concerned about the what we have done up to this point financially to Russia. I don't care about Putin or the oligarchs. I care about yeah. the people that, you know, if they're not careful, Russia is going to turn turn more into North Korea yeah. um, than they already are. <laughs> right. Um, because, you know, the Russian people protesting there, it's just horrible watching those videos. Yeah. It's horrible. Some people were leaving the country at Russia and it got to a point to where it was like $10,000 to buy a train ticket right. out of Russia. And with the ruble being less than a penny, <laughs> on the international, uh, less than a U.S. penny on the international scale, it's just feel really bad for them as well. Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a complicated situation all around, and Vladimir Putin is really the bad guy, which is kind of refreshing yeah. that there's just one bad guy at the center of everything. I think I mentioned last episode that a lot of international conflicts have this like weird gray area, but like this one is, you know, it's it's. It's all on Putin. It's all on, you know, naked imperialism and expansionism and and ego. Yeah, um, it is. So, uh, but yeah, once again, just keeping um, Ukraine in our, in our thoughts. Other than that, um, you sent me something recently about going back to the, uh, the don't say gay bills. Yeah. Um, you sent me something recently that that might be coming to Georgia. Is is that true, Caleb? Unfortunately, yes, it is. Um, Say it isn't so. You know, we are in the South, and so Florida is really close to Georgia. Yeah. Um, so, all, of course, all of legislators within their own parties work together on things mm-hmm. nationally as well. But I believe there was something like 160 something bills around the country that were basically anti-LGBTQ this year, up from 131 last year. So, yeah, the Don't Say Gay bill, I think, is working through in Georgia, is working through the House at this point. Okay. Um, It hasn't gone very far and we're close to the end of the legislative session. So I'm not sure if it's going to actually really do anything. But it will be giving conservatives some fuel for the fire uh, right. for the midterm elections this year. Yeah. Well, if I have anything to say about it, we're going to stamp out that fire here in Georgia. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of the local Georgia stuff, um, anyone that is not registered to vote, we do have some really important races coming up this year, um, specifically for this area. Just so you know, there are. Um, Marjorie Taylor Greene's seat is up for election mm-hmm. for and she's um, she has opposition from all the parties, um, including libertarian. Wow. <laughs> um, but and we do you know have, it's bad when they're. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the two term city commissioner, Wendy Davis, is running as a Democrat in the primary. And um, I thought that that's really interesting for this area. So, yeah. 
Um, but if you, you can go to the Secretary of State's website to check your registration, make sure you have the right physical address and that all of your stuff is up to date. So you can go to sos.ga.gov and put in your information. It'll let you know where you can go vote as well. Um, and also you need to register if you want to vote in the primaries that are on May 24th. Yeah. Uh, you'll need to, it needs to be 30 days out from an election. So basically by mid-April, you should have all of your stuff into the elections office. So just make sure you go through that. And I know if I'm not mistaken in Georgia, you do have to have a physical signature to change and or register. So keep that in mind if you need to print out something, you know, it's not going to be just something you can go online and complete in the day. You're going to have to do a couple of steps there, but it's so important. Make sure you registered. Vote. Yes, please, 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 please. Speaking of that, speaking of Rome, speaking of yeah. pride, speaking of don't say gay, speaking of all of this, we're going to say gay anyway. And... <laughs> uh, we're going to go into the interview that we did with you and Lynn Green. Um, do you want to say anything about it before we start? We did have some technical difficulties, so, you know, we we had to take about five minutes out of it. But um, it was mostly detailed stuff, which we'll talk about right now. Yes. So to recap kind of what was said before, um, Rum Pride 2022 is going to be June 24th through the 26th. Uh, that is at the end of June, specifically because it's Pride Month, and it kind of mem- memorializes the Stonewall riots mm-hmm. that happened, I believe it was 1969, but it was in the late 60s. Anyways, so for Rome Pride 2022, our, our main focus is the community. We want this to be an event for everybody, because at the end of the day, your brother, sister, your best friend, your cousin that you don't talk to a lot, you know, leaders in the community, business owners, people are LGBTQ all around you. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important that we recognize and and celebrate that even if it's just for a weekend. So we're going to be hosting that in beautiful downtown Rome, Georgia. Uh, Bridgepoint Plaza will be Pride Plaza. And we're going to have lots of entertainments, including uh, performances, drag performances from Rome's own Sizzling Sisters, mm. as well as a couple of guest stars from RuPaul's Drag Race. No. So, yes, it's going to be really <laughs> exciting. But on the other side of that, we also are going to have music. We're going to have a a kids area. So if you're if you're a parent and you would like to bring your kids along, we are going to have a kids station. It's going to have bouncy castles, face painting, drag queen story time. We're also going to have a vendors market. So we'll have local artists, businesses, and nonprofits uh, showing off their stuff and. Giving, probably giving away a lot of free goodies and all of the local businesses are getting involved. And so we're going to have uh, safe spaces around town that will not only be for June, they'll be for the rest of the year. So if you ever feel uncomfortable and you're downtown, just look for the rainbow sticker on the door and you know that that's a safe space. Yeah. And I mean, just to sort of reiterate it, like this is not just a party at a bar. It's not. This is a huge uh, community event. Yeah, it's basically a festival. Yeah, of yeah, sorts. yeah. And we plan on doing it every year mm-hmm. um, going forward. Uh, and also, if you want to participate in just one thing, I think it would be really great to have everyone's participation at the at the Pride March. I think we may call it the Rainbow March. 
And that's on June 25th, which is the Saturday at 11 a.m. So, yeah, you can go to pflagromega.org backslash Rome Pride. And that is our official website. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. You can just look up Rome Pride or Rome Georgia Pride. Yeah. And it should pull up. And we'll definitely have links to that those in the description too yeah so yeah we where you uh, kind of start off the interview kind of starts off talking about the local sort of pride events that we've that we've had so uh, i hope you really enjoy the interview once again with uh, justin dill and lynn Gray. thank you Kevin. so we had an event on the moon earth which is part of harvest moon cafe and it was called Pride 30. This was in 2018. And that event was kind of a private event. We did invite the community. Um, and, you know, it was pretty packed. We had a good time. We just kind of celebrated there on the moon earth. And then the following year in 2019, we did a little bigger event at River Dog. Um, and that was a lot of fun. We had, we had bands there. We did kind of a giveaway. I would say we had upwards of about 300 people yeah, come it was in a and lot. out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were there. <laughs> I was there and I won best dressed. You Thank did you win very best much. dress. <laughs> <laughs> and we just, it was, it was a wonderful time just to spend at least a few hours celebrating each other and just coming together as a community. Yeah. And so I think just generally speaking, leading into this year, especially with the generous support of PFLAG Rome, Georgia, we're really going to make this, if you will, a quote unquote inaugural event for Rome Pride. And this is big event. It's official. Yeah. And we have a lot of support from the community behind us. Lynn, do you want to talk about PFLAG a little more, what you do? Sure, absolutely. PFLAG Rome is a relatively new chapter of PFLAG National. Um, we became a 501c3 nonprofit last fall. And we are um, really a support system for LGBTQ community members and their friends and family um, and allies in the community. We really provide support to each other around the feelings of coming out as LGBTQ and how that affects relationships with friends and family and, and community. We are part of the national organization, so we have a lot of resources that we can share, a lot of really great educational material. We also do education and advocacy here in the community. And so honestly, Pride is going to be our first big, big event. We provide monthly support groups and those are all virtual right now. Mm. And we've done those for about six months now. Who comes to these? We have parents of children who have come out as gay. We have grandparents. We have adult LGBTQ community members coming in. Um, We have really just a great diverse group that keeps on showing up and new people come every month. The diversity, you know, is is fantastic. And every single meeting has been beneficial to those that come. We are not therapists. We are not, um, you know, we are just here to talk about our experiences and to tell others how we made it through. Yeah. Yeah. We know that there are a lot of families in Rome and Northwest Georgia that yeah. need the support. And so we are here for 
families and um, individuals in Rome, but we are also open to the greater Northwest Georgia area. Nice. Yeah. And it's, uh, it sounds almost like you're telling me Rome is surprisingly more diverse than, <laughs> than one might think uh, looking that is on the surface. absolutely true. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and yeah, no, and just based on, you know, the pride events that I've been to in the past, uh, I am still kind of surprised <laughs> that, you know, it had the, uh, the turnout that it did. Um, so no, that's, that's, uh, Great news. And I mean, that community support is absolutely fundamental. That's like probably the biggest hurdle that anyone coming out as anything faces is, am I going to lose my support structure? So, yeah, I'm putting that out there and, and just saying, like, uh, no matter what, you have a place and you belong. <laughs> uh, that's really important. And, and I really appreciate you, uh, you providing that for the community. So, uh, you know, we've talked about the actual uh, Pride event. We've talked about PFLAG. Uh, what does Pride more broadly mean to each of you? Justin, do you want to start? Sure. So growing up in a small town community and coming out as gay, I actually came out when I was in high school. And I don't think it's 100% true, but everyone said that I was one of the first people to come out in it was in Murray County High School. Um, <laughs> and so it was difficult. I, I know the, the struggle, the personal struggle I had transitioning from middle school to high school and trying to battle these feelings and not really having a place to turn to. So after kind of having a lot of hard battles and fighting through that myself, you know, I, I had friends, my parents ended up coming around and my my mother's amazing shout out to yes she is love you love <laughs> um so uh after that you know i i jumped around with school and then whenever i got here to georgia highlands uh we were there was the equality lines so but the more i did all this stuff the more i realized that you know and honestly i used to shy away from pride because to me, I was trying to be the best version of myself and I wanted to fit in. And so to me, that meant I thought that pride was a little bit too maybe exuberant, uh, a little too fabulous, if you will. <laughs> no such thing. I know. <laughs> but um, as I got older and realized that that was actually a problem I was kind of having with myself. Mm -hmm. And once I realized that, you know, if I could be myself and really put myself out there, and, um, you know, lean on the support system that I had created over the years that I could comfortably try to expand on the pride idea. So for me, pride is really about owning those feelings within yourself. It's about recognizing that there are many members of the community all the way from students to teachers to community leaders uh, to faith leaders that our allies or their LGBTQ themselves. And the more that we open and engage with that, the better that it is for everyone in, in our community. And so that's what pride means to me is just, it's not about being exuberant. It's not about excluding certain types of people that are not LGBTQ. It's about just recognition and knowing that it's okay and that you'll be fine. Yeah. So, Lynn, do you uh, want to tell us what pride means to you? Sure. Um, I, I read this somewhere and it has stuck with me, but pride is the opposite of shame. Wow. And shame dies where so stories are told in safe spaces. And I want Rome and specifically our PFLAG chapter to be that safe space for whether it's a member of the LGBTQ community, whether it's for a parent like myself that has no idea what to do next 
and um, need somebody to talk to. Um, just not being ashamed to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk a lot in P flag about encouraging families to come out, to come out and say, Hey, I am the mom of a really cool artistic trans child. Mm-hmm. And the trans is no more important than cool and artistic and mm-hmm. smart and everything else. It's one part of it. Right. Um, but when um, my child first came out, I had no idea where to go. I had to educate myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and through a lot of Google searches, I found that there was nothing here. There was nothing yeah. in Rome. There was nowhere for me to go. Nobody to talk to. And so I was able to build that community through PFLAG on the other side of the state. Um, I attended PFLAG Johns Creek and PFLAG Sandy Springs for a year and a half before (laughs) I realized like there's nothing between Chattanooga and Atlanta and Birmingham. Yeah. 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 And we're right in the middle. So we have the opportunity to be that and to provide that safe area so that there is not shame in talking about it around here. I think that's so, so important. You know, I, I think we had discussed before Lynn about (laughs) wishing there had been something here before. Cause I remember the first time that I lived in Rome, I was desperate for something along those lines where I could connect with other people in an, in some type of official capacity, you know, whether it be just a meeting, a support group or whatever, but hats off. Thank you for getting that up and running that's absolutely amazing. yeah my my past child self is thanking you and my current self <laughs> is thanking you so much for what you're doing uh the next generation of of lgbt teens you know that's it's really important to sort of connect with that i mean i know me and justin growing up you know we lived through a lot we saw the repeal of don't ask don't tell we saw gay marriage being confirmed by you know the supreme court so you know we've we've had those those big prideful moments in our lives and i i think it's really important to sort of provide that for the next generation too um and you know there's a lot of things you know, going on in certain states that we don't have to get into right now if you don't want to. But um, yeah, it's it's very important to the, the transgender community is especially under attack right now. Right. Definitely very important to, uh, you know, keep our transgender brothers and sisters and siblings um, in mind and be there and help them and protect them and and vote the people out who <laughs> who want to do the opposite of that. So um, do you all have anything that you want to say sort of in closing? Yes. So um, there are lots of uh, ways to get involved with PFLAG Rome. If you are part of the LGBTQ community or if you are a family member um, that would like to reach out for some support, we are on Facebook as PFLAG Rome Georgia Chapter. We also have a website and it is pflagromega.org. On our website, we have information on our support group meetings and uh, information on the confidentiality and all of that stuff that goes along with it. We have a resource page uh, with a lot of uh, different material and educational material for allies and for the community. Um, For example, what to do when somebody comes out to you. Mm. Um, You know, that to me is a huge privilege. That means that somebody trusted me enough to share that part with me. And I don't take that lightly. And sometimes that can be really scary because you don't want to say the wrong thing. 
Right. We also have an entire page of resources for LGBTQ teens. There's a lot of online resources. QChat. Trevor Project has a chat. There are a lot of artistic outlets and projects going on for the LGBTQ community uh, teenagers. And so we want to uh, make sure that that information gets out there to anybody that needs it. We also offer education and will be soon offering safe space training out in the community. Nice. So if any class or business or group would like some safe space training, it is very LGBTQ 101, mm-hmm. um, but very basic information for people um, just to get more comfortable with the terminology. And it's it's very quick. It's an hour long, um, but we can come to you. We can do it virtually. We can do it in person. We are happy to come wherever we are needed. That's an amazing resource. Wow. And so if you're interested in finding out more about Rome Pride 2022 and how you can get involved, uh, you can find us on all major social media platforms. So for Facebook, just type in Rome Pride 2022. Uh, For Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram, it's Rome GA Pride is the handle. Uh, also, if you do go to the pflagromega.org website, I think it's backslash Rome GA Pride, right? Yes, there's yeah. a link on the on the main page. Yes, of, of the, on pflag's main page uh, to the Pride website. Okay. Yeah, and you'll find information there about uh, obviously all of the entertainment that we're going to have, which, by the way, includes uh, drag performances by our local and amazing sizzling sisters yeah and it's we also are very fortunate to have a couple of uh performances from rupaul's drag race stars so that's really exciting uh we are also if you want to volunteer to help out before uh during or even after pride you can find information there if you're a vendor that would like to sell or a nonprofit group that would like to you know, hang out at Pride Plaza with us. Um, you can find the information on the website. And then we also encourage any sponsors, any businesses that want to get directly involved. And uh, this is not the only year this is happening. We're going to mm-hmm. be doing this for years coming. And we plan on doing stuff year round. So you want to get involved at the ground level? <laughs> yeah. Now's the time. Absolutely. Uh, so please go and check it out. And you can always message us on these platforms or email us at romegapride at gmail.com. All right. Well, I'm excited. I always was, but now I'm even more excited. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you all for coming in. And um, once again, that was uh, Justin Dill and uh, Lynn Green. Uh, They were in the studio today talking about the Rome, Georgia Pride event, which is going to take place in Rome, Georgia from June 24th through the 26th on Broad Street in downtown Rome. Well, thank you guys so much for for being here. Thank you for having us. Can't wait to see what happens next. Yes. All right. Once again, that was Justin Deal and Lynn Green telling us about PFLAG and Rome Georgia Pride. I want to thank them so much for coming in and thank you for listening. And we'll see you in two weeks. Bye.